G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You'll no doubt be aware of that summit between US President Donald Trump and the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un yesterday. There is mixed commentary, seemingly dependent on whether you like or dislike Donald Trump. That may be a side issue when the real issues are at play. What is sure here is that there is some progress that may result in a lasting and stable peace if the agreement to denuclearize can be achieved. Religious liberty analyst Elizabeth Kendall, who's also an advocate with Christian Faith and Freedom, is joining us for her thoughts on the implications for political prisoners and for tens of thousands of Christians who are being held in concentration camps in North Korea. Elizabeth Kendall, welcome along to 2020. And thank you, Neil. Elizabeth, uh, let's just quickly start with your overall impressions about the summit yesterday, given that we had a conversation that was talking about some of the good possibilities, the hopes of just recent times that might eventuate, and those things are appearing to be happening. Yes, well, I'm, I'm actually feel really positive about, about all this. I, you know, I'm in, as far as I'm concerned, God is answering the prayers of many over, over a hundred years, you know, 50 years. Certainly, you know, the prayers, even right back from those revival years that God would bless Korea, but the prayers since the, you know, since the division of the Korean Peninsula, when the prayer for North Korea really kicked off and really began, and, uh, you know, I believe that God is actually moving and doing something. I said in my church just on Sunday, I said, if I was not a Christian, if I was into, you know, astrology, I'd say all the planets are lining up. But as a Christian, I can say that God seems to be lining everything up. You've got three completely different leaders than what we've ever seen before involved in this, in Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump and uh, Moon Jae-in of South Korea. And even just if you look at Kim, Kim Jong-un, this is a young man who's, who was never meant to rule North Korea. He is the illegitimate son of Kim Jong-il's favorite mistress. And as such, he, he and his sister were shuttled off to Switzerland to grow up in Switzerland. <laughs> he was in Switzerland from the age of 11 through to the age of uh, 19 when he was brought back. So he has had a completely different exposure to the real world than what his father or grandfather or most of the men who were at the top of that regime have ever had. And one, so this is, this is not something that we can say, oh, this has happened before. It hasn't. This is new. The South Korean president is a, the son of a North Korean refugees. Donald Trump is a new sort of president. It's different. It's really different this time. And I'm actually very excited. I just hope, 
uh, nothing uh, happens to sort of stuff it up and that's why I believe we really must be praying uh, continuously about this. That's right, it is a prayer issue and mm. we'll come back to prayer in just a few moments but let's talk about uh, the three U.S. evangelical Christian prisoners that were released in the lead-up to the summit. Now, let me give you their names, because sometimes you think, oh, three uh, political prisoners are released. Well, their names, Kim Dong-chul, Kim Huck-song, and Kim Sung-duk. Now, they have been released ahead of the summit, and uh, what's been reported is that the three American prisoners released, but nobody's mentioned much in the mainstream media about the fact that these are evangelical Christian men. Uh, your thoughts on the breakthrough there, Elizabeth? Yes, well, I think one was actually a missionary, and two were professors at a university that was built in Pyongyang, with Kim Jong-il's permission, of course. You can't build a you know, university without the dear leader's permission. So Kim Jong-il uh, allowed for it to be built in the 19... No, it would have been around the year 2000-ish or 2004. I wrote on it on my Religious Liberty Monitoring blog. So it must have been about 2002, three or four. And it was the brainchild of... A, and a, I think either a Chinese American or a Korean American living in China. And uh, it was built all using the funds of donations. It was basically built as a missionary endeavor. It's staffed by Christians and uh, they teach a science and technology university. So this, this was at the last time that North Korea sort of put out feelers towards opening up and was looking to open up. And the thing that got in the way then was there was a change of government and uh, the new government, which was the Bush government actually, uh, was hostile from the word go and everything fell through. So it wasn't actually North Korea's fault. Everything fell through at that point. Um, uh, everything fell through mainly because of the change of, uh, of policy in the U.S., but yeah, so they, they were two um, American evangelicals who were teaching at the, at the university, a Christian university in Pyongyang. But uh, this was an incredible uh, display of uh, faith and confidence building by um, Kim Jong-un to have these prisoners released and that they went home uh, when they did. And these ones were high profile, mm. those who are held in concentration camps. And every time we talk about the sort of numbers, uh, the estimates around 70,000 uh, Christians held in brutal concentration camps. Every time you mention that number, there's always someone hearing that for the first time and a shiver goes down your spine to think that this sort of brutality might continue. But even with the developments yesterday, there must be hope uh, for those prisoners held in concentration camps if there can be more breakthroughs oh absolutely i believe that but i don't believe anything's going to happen quickly and i think this is where people need to take a deep breath and have a long-term view because nothing's going to change overnight even though we would like it to now um i i read a piece this morning actually that said oh one thing they, they noted was that uh, repression has actually escalated in North Korea recently with the government, uh, the regime actually calling for people to report anti-government activity uh, and everything. But, you know, the thing that actually concerns me the, the most is that Kim Jong-un, 
who I believe is serious about bringing his country out of isolation. I think he would like to see his country become like South Korea, really. I, I believe that. Um, uh, that he is serious about bring, bringing his country out of isolation, changing everything. I believe he is a, actually a great risk of assassination. I mean, this country has been under in, in deep propaganda for generations now, several generations. So we're, it's, I think he's going to have immense opposition. Now, one thing he did just before the uh, summit with um, Donald Trump was he removed the top three military leaders of the country and replaced them with younger men who South Korean media described as moderates, men who are more amenable to uh, a completely, uh, to opening up North Korea and engaging with the West, engaging even with, with America. Now, for him to, so what he's done is he's really brought the military in line with his agenda. But, you know, my concern is that the, I believe he is probably at great risk of assassination, actually. So um, when I read something like that, that they're cracking down, I think, I think they re the regime is really genuinely afraid that the people who are trying to bring change could be assassinated by people who are committed to the model that they've been brought up in for the last, you know, 50, 70 years. So it's complex. It's really, really complex. And I said in my last prayer bulletin, which was just last week, that I believe the openness will actually come quite slowly as North Korea uh, changes gradually. So um, we have to be prepared to pray through this for a long haul. And people who expect things to change overnight have unrealistic expectations. Elizabeth, a quick comment on the geopolitical relationships, because as we know, uh, for Kim Jong-un, his primary friend has been China. Mm. And uh, we had discussions about if there was some sort of breakthrough in a summit that actually it could take uh, North Korea closer to uh, the South Koreans and the US and out of the grips mm. of China. What are your thoughts for the wider geopolitical relationships between North Korea and China and even a role that Russia might play in any change? Yes, well, you see, China, China came across the border and helped North Korea during the Korean War. And so there's always been this, uh, this alliance here. China has been the main sort of power propping up North Korea for a whole lot of reasons. One being they don't want all their refugees, you know. So, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Korea, the Korean Peninsula has always sat as this buffer zone between two imperialistic powers, China and Japan. And China and Japan have, at various points over centuries, uh, invaded and occupied and subjugated the Koreans. And one thing the Koreans want more than anything is to be independent, really definitely independent, and that includes independent of China. They don't want to be under China's influence. And this is where I think we really need to be hopeful and positive about the role that Russia can play. Now, on the prayer bulletin I wrote in March... The Religious Liberty Prayer Bulletin I wrote in March, there's a map. I put the map up of the uh, Korean railways. Uh, that You see, at the moment, North, South Korea is like an island. 
because nothing can go through North Korea. So if it wants to get goods to Europe, it, it has to go by water, first of all. But if North Korea is opened up, things can move by rail very quickly and in smaller quantities, because you can do that by rail, uh, overland. And you've got, you've got a, a railway line on the west and a railway that goes through Russia, that goes through China, the Trans-China Railway. And you've got a railway line on the east coast that then goes up through Vladivostok and on the, across the Trans-Siberian Railway. Now, if Russia can be really involved in this opening up uh, position uh, of North Korea, it will be a counterbalance to China so that North Korea doesn't have to sort of find itself dependent on China for its economic growth and to be gobbled up by, you know, atheistic, communistic China. It would be really, really good if uh, North Korea can be really linked into South Korea and Russia. Uh, so just forget all the conspiracy theory-laden Russophobia that's out there. This would be a good thing. It would be a good thing. And um, it demonstrates just how much there is to talk about with this yeah. issue. And we might have to set a time in the very near future to maybe unpack these things a little more. Uh, running out of time a little here, Elizabeth, let me take you back to this idea of prayer for North Korea. Mm. Because when we reflect on revival in North Korea, Christian revival 100 years ago, and then, of course, then you get this sort of atheistic, uh, dictatorial uh, regime that's taken North Korea into the darkness uh, in contrast with the light that came when the revival continued in South Korea. And there are the biggest churches in the world uh, in there in South Korea. Let's not underrate the prayers of the South Koreans as they have been praying for a some level of reunification or end of the conflict. But for Australians, Elizabeth, where do our prayers sit in this conflict and what's your encouragement to Aussies listening to our conversation today to be prayerful about how these outcomes might proceed? Well, we need to realise that this is first and foremost a spiritual battle that first and foremost uh, we wrestle not with flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. Now, there have been people who have noted or who are noting now that if North Korea opens up, it could actually become very wealthy very quickly. It has great abundance of rare earth minerals and things and um, that it could be tapped into one of the most economically dynamic regions of the world very quickly. And all I can think about is that it would also be tapped in to one of the most spiritually dynamic regions of the world, the church in South Korea, the church in China. This, this would be spiritually phenomenal. And, you know, I just, I have no trouble, no difficulty imagining that we could see a return to Christian faith in North Korea. Uh, really within it, within a generation or, uh, and even, even more quickly. It is a spiritually dynamic uh, region and I believe that the principalities and powers are going to be keen to see this whole uh, process stumble and derail and it's uh, Sergei Lavrov of uh, the Russian Foreign Minister said it's so important but so fragile 
And that's how I see the process. It is fragile. And there are people at every level looking to make it not work. And, and I believe that the devil wants it to fail. And Christians must pray. We must pray that uh, God will have the victory here because I believe that it will change. It, it will change the whole region. It will be absolutely phenomenal. I'm just full of hope, but it's a spiritual battle before it is anything else. And that's why we pray. Well, our prayers so, so important uh, for the big things like averting a nuclear war uh, or those 70,000-odd Christian believers who are held in brutal concentration camps, uh, the things that can happen in a positive way uh, if there is a change to the way that the regime rules North Korea. Let me point people to uh, Elizabeth Kendall as she's mentioned some prayer bulletins. Well, you can get links to those prayer bulletins when you go online at elizabethkendall.com. Elizabeth Kendall, always so appreciate your insights. I look forward to the next time we'll get an opportunity to do some updates here. But as a religious liberty analyst and also an advocate for the persecuted church with the organization Christian Faith and Freedom. Elizabeth, thanks so much for taking some time today to talk to us on 2020. And thanks for the opportunity, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.